everyone. My name is Dr. Cindy Burnett. And my name is Dr. Matthew Wurwood. This is the Fueling Creativity in Education podcast. On this show, we'll be talking about creativity topics and how they apply to the field of education. We'll be speaking with scholars, educators, and resident experts about their work, challenges they face, and digging deeper into new and varying perspectives of creativity. All with the goal to help fuel a more rich and informed discussion that provides teachers and parents with knowledge they can use at home or in the classroom. So let's begin. Hello and welcome to our final throwback episode in between our seasons. And in this throwback episode, we are introducing Tamara Dolman. Now, Tamara is an art educator from Canada, and we loved her episode because she gives such practical advice on how to bring creative thinking into the classroom. And one of the things that I really liked about this episode, Cindy, was there was a sense of thinking about the relationship between students and their environment and the space itself. So when we're going about designing art programs or perhaps designing other programs for creativity, thinking about our environment is also an important part of that puzzle. So without further ado, here is Tamara Dolman. Welcome, Tamara. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. So tell us a bit about your background. You studied education and the arts and then went on for a Master of Science in Creativity. How has that informed your thinking? It's been a process. You know, it's an ongoing process of learning. Life is like that. Um, I've been creative my whole life and I've identified myself as a creative person my whole life. I've had super amazing experiences growing up as a child all the way through to my adult years. And I would say that that collection of all of that led me to want to learn more about this thing called creativity. Um, And that's what led me to study it at the master's level. And that has changed, transformed the way I work in my classroom now. Can you tell us a little bit more about that now? The changes that it has created in my classroom as I have lightened up would be the biggest thing. I've, I've learned to value Um, you know, the learning place, the place of learning, just the process of learning, not so much being coming fixated with what we're learning about, or whether we're learning about something that that uh, matters to me, but more about what does it mean to learn? Uh, What does it mean to learn creatively? Even the way the the way that I've structured my classes has changed. So I, I know that we'll be speaking a little bit about that later. Um, when we're talking about how to teach for creativity. We talk about this a lot on the show, but let's ask the question directly. Why do you believe that teaching for creativity is essential in schools today? Creativity is a celebration of pluralism and diversity. And I think that our world, in essence, really needs to come to terms with the fact that all of us are different and we all have something to contribute to the world. And so when we're teaching for creativity, we're really teaching an individual how to become comfortable with who they are and and start to think about what they want to bring into the world. Uh, And I would add to make it a better, more enjoyable, beautiful place. Um, It helps kids learn problem solving. So the process of problem solving on their own, but even more importantly, in groups. Um, Wellness. It gives kids an opportunity to be able to sit with themselves. And through the pandemic, we've seen many kids are not doing so well. Well, a lot of these kids probably haven't developed creative habits at home that could they could be spending time occupying themselves with. It gives our chance our kids a chance to express themselves. Um, it allows students to get engaged in a different way of knowing. 
So we know in our brains most of the time, but the art process connects head, heart, hands. And so the knowing becomes this very integral uh, whole body experience. Confidence to generate ideas. It's a subject of the heart, not the head. Um, it's a body, mind, heart connection. Um, and I think we're actually in, in, we're teaching kids to self-actualize, really. We're asking them to self-actualize. So Tamara, on the Fueling Creativity podcast, we've had lots of conversations in the past about facilitating creativity in the classroom. But given your background, I wonder if you could talk more about facilitating a long-term program for creativity. I, I teach, we have a program. I mean, we are working with a program right now live in my program, in the art program we worked. I have colleagues that I work with. Um, and so some of the things we've decided to do is to set up spaces that encourage creativity first and foremost, right? Does the space invite excitement, play, curiosity? This is really important. It's such a secondary consideration for a lot of other subject areas, even in art, you know, you may not have to create that really inspiring space, but we have a lot of options. We engage the kids in creating, co-creating the space with us. So is this space working for you? Is it not? What do you need in order to be able to feel creative in this space? We create a foundation. It's almost like the program can't exist unless we take into account every individual in the space, right? Because we have to decide together that we are going to engage in activities that require us to be vulnerable. And therefore, we need psychological safety. We need inspiration, psychological safety, curiosity, first and foremost, most important thing. I would say if you can't offer psychological safety, you will be causing creative trauma because you're allowing something that is delicate to be exposed to things that it's not ready to be exposed to. Our kids are learning to be confident. So we have to recognize that we have to grow confidence, right? Um, it's almost like the program needs to be human first. Agree what things we need and don't need in the space first. So that once kids know that, we've created a creative behavior, a creative contract, um, and what stays in the creative space, you know, stays in the creative space. And that's how we, we approach it. Um, and then we look at what do we do, right? So it's teaching how to think, uh, learning about how we think. So each person's preferences for thinking. Like I didn't even know we had different ways of thinking until I got into the creative uh, program and realized there's something called divergent thinking and something called convergent thinking. <sighs> And I realized some kids are really comfortable with divergent thinking and they can't converge. And other kids are really amazing at converging and they have a lot of trouble diverging. So then I partner kids up and I say, well, X is really good at diverging. Y is really good at converging. You guys are a perfect partnership. So, yeah, it's about, you know, you have to be creative. If you're going to set up a creative program, you actually have to be creative. You have to be really creative. And to follow up on that response, Tamara, I value the focus you've given to the physical space and the interactions that take place between people within that space, because we know this stuff is super important factors to consider when working to promote creativity. And it's probably something we could all spend a little bit more time thinking about. Okay, so here's a tougher question, and in some circles, maybe a controversial question. One of the stereotypes is creativity belongs to the arts. And as we've covered in this podcast, we know that's not true. 
So I wondered if we could explore this a little further by asking you to discuss how you approach the teaching of art versus the teaching of creativity. When I was trained to teach art, it was all about technique, materials, learning how to use a material in a particular way for a particular purpose. And often, and hopefully things have changed since then, but often, you know, the things that we were asked to make were not things that I even connected with as, a, as an artist. It was like, here's a still life, draw it. And then we would throw our drawings up on the wall and we would decide, you know, whose drawing was successful and whose drawing was not successful. We never asked, like, did you like drawing the flowers? How did the flowers make you feel? So I don't even start from that standpoint. If I ever have my kids doing a still life, which I have done, right, because it's a traditional form of art, the kids will pick meaningful objects and we'll talk about why we would put certain objects together and how putting those objects together informs us about an aspect about that person, right? So everything in the creative classroom has to start from meaning. And I would say in an art space, personal meaning, right? I don't want kids engaging in a very challenging, demanding process. The creative process is exhausting, but it's also invigorating. You need to be committed from the start, right? So uh, first thing first, right? The kids need to be connected to what they're doing. They need to think that it's personally valuable, um, and that value cannot come from me. That decision cannot come from me. It has to come from them. Them. So I ask them that that's your responsibility, right? You don't get to blame me for not liking a project because you don't have to do the project the way I ask you to do it if you can come up with another way to do it. That's, you know, it, it's become a very open space. My space has become very open. So Tamara... How do you teach for creativity in the art classroom? Because you would think, based on what you just said, that you naturally do it as an art educator. But do you think, first of all, do you think all art educators are also teaching creativity in their classroom? Or do you think that you have to be deliberate about teaching for creativity in the art classroom? I think teachers teach what they know, right? We teach what's been successful, what we've experienced successfully. So I would... I would suggest that all art teachers, all teachers really read up about creativity. I think we need to tap into our own creativity as teachers as well. And that is becoming difficult in the classroom because we've got a lot of mandated curriculum. Uh, but I remind all teachers, you have the right and ability to be creative with that, right? We can play with information. We can make information exciting. We can pair that information up with those amazing skills you talk about in your book, right? All of those incredible, those add amazing elements to a course. And it's the same thing with art, right? So if we look at an artist, I might look at what is the skill that that artist had? What were the characteristics this particular artist demonstrated? Was this artist a risk taker? Was this artist somebody who was super sensitive to detail? Was this artist somebody who made it sing or made it ring, right? We could look at all of our artists, uh, and this is in the art world. We could look at scientists too that way, right? But I, my area, my area is art. So I teach creativity through art by focusing on creativity in the artists, by focusing on creative behaviors in the classroom, by uh, setting up a space that offers choice, that values ideas in development, whether they are great in my opinion or not, right? 
uh, valuing voice, valuing process, valuing growth. We all start in a different place. And the other thing is I don't believe in a leveled art classroom. I don't believe it's level A, B, drawing A, drawing B. I want kids to hop in at any point on the journey, right? Because art is a privilege that we all have a right to. Being creative is our gift. It's our power. And we should all be uh, engaged in using it, right? Like the kids are practicing their power in class. That's what I think they're doing. Their power to see something in their head and then make it actually exist in the world. I, I agree. And and that is such an important piece of, of being creative as well as creating art. So it sort of bridges like the arts with the sciences. And, you know, I'm, I'm always looking at, you know, how do we bridge those skills you learn in art in terms of the creative thinking skills with how can you use that in other domains? And just being able to imagine something and put it onto paper or create it and, you know, bring it to life can really help us in everything that we do. So I think that's a brilliant point. The other thing that I do is I rarely talk about the final outcome of a creative experience without in the absence of spending an equal amount of time looking at the process that artist or student artist went through. So when my kids present their work, we would never stick finished artwork up on the wall to then criticize it or even compare it in that way, right? I want each kid to have their chance to be there, to share their experience, to talk through their process so that everyone else hears that and goes, wow, every single person has a slightly different variation on a process that we can also use collaboratively, right? But so-and-so uses it this way and -and so-and-so does it that way. Um, I find presentations are so much more interesting now because kids are, and they can speak, you know, if if there was a failure, they don't even have to show a finished product, right? Sometimes they're scared. They're like, I'm not prepared. I don't have anything to show. I'm like, yeah, you do. You have your whole experimentation process to talk about. What worked for you? What didn't work for you? Why are you stuck? It's okay to be stuck, right? Creativity invites anxiety, ambiguity, getting stuck, we're going to get stuck. We're going to feel frustrated. Those are important things to know how to handle in your classroom when a kid can't handle what they've done, right? It can be very hard. Often they're carrying something from the day, has nothing to do with the art, right? It has to do with uh, them being hard on themselves, the the inner critic, right? Becoming aware of how you talk to yourself when you're learning something new. Those are our opportunities in a creative space. So what tips or advice would you give to educators who want to bring creativity into their classrooms? What, well, first I want to say you are going to transform your classroom. Um, your, the engagement level will go up. The connection between kids will, 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 will connect. The kids will connect on a very different level and they'll start to just generally be in, interested in each other, which is really exciting. I, I ask you to be courageous because uh, creativity is really dealing with the unknown. It's dealing with ambiguity. So you do need to set up expectations around behaviors. That is the most important thing, right? We, we are aware of how we're behaving together in that space. We're aware of how our actions impact other people um, so that we can have a safe space and we can be free to play and experiment. 
And that's even harder as kids are feeling like they want to move away from being children. How do we maintain a childlike, playful attitude uh, where people feel comfortable being playful? And it's not something you don't want. It's actually come on in and be crazy a little bit or come up with crazy ideas or talk about things that you think no one wants to talk about. Like, oh, you're into rocks. That's cool. Somebody had to love bugs, right? To, for us to like have people that can classify all those bugs. Uh, we need people to love all kinds of things. This concludes the throwback episode with Tamara Dahlman. Please stay tuned for our upcoming episode with Dr. Howard Gardner. My name is Dr. Cindy Burnett. And my name is Dr. Matthew Wurwood. This episode was produced by Creativity and Education in partnership with WarwoodClassroom.com. 